0: So we're in a series called Go Eat Popcorn, and it's a series about Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and that title is just to give you an idea and help you remember what's going on. And these four letters that Paul wrote are so filled with amazing foundational truths for our Christian life that I just think it's important for us to dig in. And spend some time on them. And we've already covered some really great topics. We've talked about salvation and redemption and grace and law and justification and sanctification and glorification, some amazing things. And today we're going to take another look because Paul, you know, in a, in a couple of months we're going to look in Philippians and he says something in Philippians that we'll dig into then, but I want you to be thinking about it now. He says, For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And Paul had something figured out about this life that we need to understand. And one of the ways that we sort of get to that point is by walking with the Spirit. And that's what he's going to talk to us about today as we dig into Galatians 5 in just a moment. So that's the intro. Transition. Always a bad joke or two. Somebody gave me for Christmas one of these little desk calendars that has a bad joke every day. They're really bad. This one actually made the cut. How does a rancher keep track of his cattle? Calculator. I know. A lot of my friends have these long and complicated bucket lists. Mine is a little pale in comparison. I almost asked this one, but last group liked it. You never know. Earlier today, my my drone got stuck in a tree. It's not the worst thing that happened to me today, but it's definitely up there. <laughs> You're free to... You know, I always talk about kids here, right? We love our kids. We do a lot of stuff. We go over the top for our children. If you have children here, you know they come out of those rooms, do all sorts of stuff. This, this... Here, i got to take this out of the bag. You've got to see this. So today, and I'm not sure... Oh, they're talking about um, different cultures on missions, and they're talking about Japan. And this is candy sushi look at that I know you may not be able to see it very well but it's a it looks like sushi it's a rice crispy treat with a Swedish fish on there and a fruit roll up and I think I just want to go back to Sunday school and hang out with the kids <laughs> anyway just thought I'd toss that in there back in the baggie Can gonna eat that later at this point in time unfortunately that would get all stuck in there and it wouldn't be good Okay, let's go to our scripture reading, Galatians 5, 13 through 18. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Blessed be the word of the Lord. We're going to talk about walking by the spirit, but he talks about something else that I want to touch on briefly. So point one, number number one is this. What does it mean To be free. What does it mean to be free? Again, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And I I think this is so important because we, we may not understand what freedom is. And I believe a lot of people assume that the more choices that they have, the more free that they are. But the reality is I am most free when every choice I make maximizes my ability to experience a full and abundant life in Christ and to help others experience that same life. And so even if those choices were limited, if that's a direction they're taking, I'm indeed free. And what we need to understand is this, being free means that you can yield to the Holy Spirit and you can choose to live by trying to do the... What's the next three words? Thank you so much. I appreciate that you've listened for the last 20 years. And uh, that you got that in there. See, that's freedom to me. Freedom is that we can yield to the Holy Spirit and He can empower us now to choose to do the next right thing. And that's how we can live this out. And I said that, you know, the encompassing idea of Galatians is that we live in a way that's a response to all that God has done for us, not in us trying to live in a way to get him to respond to us. And that's part of the amazing wisdom of Paul in this life. So he's telling us freedom then really is yielding to the spirit. And that's point number two. What does it mean to walk by the spirit? Galatians 5, 16. So I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to go and do as the Spirit leads you. Interestingly, in your translations, whichever one you might be reading, um, it, sometimes it says walk by the Spirit and sometimes it says live by the Spirit. The ideas are so interchangeable there and in the word's so close that it means the same thing because to walk in Him is to live in Him. And so we need to understand that. This idea of walking in Him, walking with God, walking in Christ, walking by the Spirit, appears often in the New Testament, I can't give you all the examples because of time, but one example, Colossians two six, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him or live in Him. This whole idea really comes from the old. Testament. Remember, I've been telling you uh, emphatically that this is God's amazing book to us. And don't disenfranchise yourself from the Old Testament because it's filled with life. And in Deuteronomy 13, four it says you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Same thing. We should listen for the voice of the Lord. We should be yielding to the Holy Spirit going as he leads us um, Having a reverence for God, worshiping him, honoring him, serving him, that's where we find life. And I thought it would be helpful today for us to look at somebody in the Bible who was actually commended for walking with the Lord and see what we can learn from him. And again, the idea is to to move us back uh, and and to embrace the scripture with eyes wide open. I, I want the book to come alive to you so that you don't look at it as a like a fact book or something, because we don't learn that way. But God has written this amazing book filled with stories. And, and he's he wants us to get a hold of it and look into it and ask the Holy Spirit to help us see what's going on and embrace it. And and Enjoy it too many people i'm afraid read the bible out of duty and they get nothing There's so much in there. It's just amazing when you when you look at it And so today one of the things we're going to look at we're going to go back to genesis 5 And we're going to read part of the genealogy that's there It's funny. So when I I love to sit down and read the scripture and study and as i'm preparing for all those things And my office for that is at home when i'm here i'm usually really busy. I can't do that So I stay at home and I have a nice little office that I share with my cat, and uh, my cat's interesting. Um, I don't know what your cat's like, but my cat is sort of. She has a lot of personality. So, like when I when I go in in the mornings, my cat wants a little bit of attention, but she measures out the attention that's going to happen. She wants it. She gets up next to me, and I, I can pet her for a, for a moment or two. But there's a time when she's had enough. Her little love tank gets filled up quickly, and I can't do it without paying attention because if I overdo it, she'll bite me, and it's not fun. She goes from whack, so I had to watch her. And this is where I'm sharing my space, right? I'm trying to study and get in, and so this is just kind of funny as you think about it. I'm digging in to read, and then I'll go, I need a coffee or something, and I'll get up. And the moment I get out of my office chair... The cat, who has this really good setup, she has her own shelf built out on a window where she can see the world, and it's all nice there. She even has her own chair that we gave her, all set up. She's got, and, and yet, as soon as I get out of my chair, you know what she wants? My chair. She will literally leap six to eight feet across the room from this shelf, and she's a big cat. She should not be leaping anywhere. <laughs> She's not very good at leaping, and she'll leap over to my chair, and I'll hear this bang, and she kind of grabs on and sticks in everything, and she flops her way down, and she pretends she's asleep within two seconds. She lays down and curls up. So every time I come in, there's a cat in there, and she acts like, what? (laughs) And I have to get her out, and you can't just, you have to be careful how you get her out, because she doesn't want to go. You ever Anybody ever been held back a little bit by, like, a? she must be 20 pounds, this cat? This cat will make you stop and think, like, I don't want to put my hand there. <laughs> so anyway, we, we battle. I get her out, and I dig into the Scripture. And, the, and the, the, it's just so powerful. And I pray, Holy Spirit, will you show me what you want me to see and what I can share with what's going on. And so back to the genealogy in Genesis 5. And, and if you're honest with me, how many of you would say when you get to a genealogy in the Bible that you skip over it? Because you can't handle the names. Uh, what are these crazy names and who? I don't care. But you miss stuff. Because there's stuff in there. And so I would just say, look, when you're reading, look for a pattern and then look for a change in the pattern. That's what you start to do. There's a pattern. There's a change. When there's a change, that's the Holy Spirit wanting to drag your attention to that because it's something he really wants you to notice. So if you go all the way back to Genesis 5, and I didn't do the whole chapter because it would be boring uh, for you, but start at verse 18 just so I can set the pattern, and this pattern has been going on. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch, and after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters altogether, Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. That's the pattern that's been going on through all these verses, changes here in verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, here's where it changed, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. Something is radically different there in the genealogy than it's been all the way along. So that should make you say, what's going on? What's the change? What's happening? So you sort of dig around a little bit because you're looking at this and you see Enoch, but now he's walking with God and it didn't say it the way everybody else had. What's happening? Well, he has a son named Methuselah, which is where things sort of change. And a lot of you have heard the name Methuselah if you didn't grow up in church because there is a saying that someone is older than Methuselah. The last group hadn't heard that. I was surprised. But uh, anybody ever heard that? Because Methuselah lived 969 years, longer than anybody else in the Bible. That's where that comes from. But you, you say, well, that's kind of interesting. That must mean something. And then you, you might consider, well, what does his name mean? Because you, you should think about that. The Bible names often have some meaning with them that, that you know, have an impact on the story. A couple ideas about Methuselah's name. One that goes around is it means man with a spear or man with a javelin. In the process. and That has a sort of a flavor of judgment on it. But The other one, very interesting, means uh, this. When he dies, it will be sent. That's the meaning of Methuselah. When he dies, it will be sent. Also in there is that idea of judgment that's coming. But something's happened. Something happens to Enoch when he fathers Methuselah that causes him to change his life and begin to walk with God in a significant way like no one had before. So what was going on? Well, that's where you kind of dig in and you start to think, well, what's going on here? And you, you look around and you, you dig into your Bible and maybe you Google some things and you look at your Bible charts and you, you look at the rest of the lineage and you, you figure out pretty quickly that Enoch is the great-grandfather of Noah. Most of you heard about Noah, right? And the flood? Well, maybe there's something there. And then if you pull out your Bible charts and you start digging in, you also find this, that the flood happens in the same year that Methuselah dies. And you go back and you just heard his name is when he dies, it will be sent. And you wonder, hmm, what a coincidence. No, don't read the Bible that way. It's not coincidence. It's that way on purpose. In fact, if you read the scripture and you're in Genesis 7, what you see is that when God told Noah and his family to get into the ark, They were in there seven days before it began to rain. Why in the world was that happening? Seven days was a typical period of mourning in the Old Testament. And it's believed that Methuselah died the week before the flood happened and his family is mourning his loss before the rains happen. Isn't the Bible cool? We'll talk more about that in just a second. So, what's going on? Here's what I think happens to Enoch. Enoch has this encounter with God when Methuselah is born. And God says to Enoch... Enoch, listen, the world's a terrible place. It's filled with evil in ways that are unimaginable. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give us, and your son's going to live a very long time, longer than anybody else. During this period of time, everybody has a chance to come to know me or not. They get to make that choice. But then judgment needs to happen because God is filled with grace, but he's also Holy. And so there's going to be a time period for this to happen. And the realization that Enoch was the greatness of God. And so he changes his life and he begins to walk with him. And he walks with him for 300 years. And then the scripture is fascinating. It says he was no more. That's weird. What does that mean? Because everybody else died, but Enoch was no more. Well, we can look then into the, the story of the Hebrews, Hebrews 11:5, And the writer there writes this, Hebrews 11:5 By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. He was walking this life out and pleasing God. And in this corrupt world and, and all the mess that was going on, God just takes him away and he is no more. It's a fascinating picture of this life. Now, I was thinking about that this week and I thought, but... So, If we don't have a grasp on the now and the not yet and eternity and how our lives of eternity have really started now, we might look at that and think, you know, he, well, 365 years seems like a lot to us, but everybody around him was living at least twice that long. Like, wow, his lifetime was cut a little short. What's that all about? See, when we can get a hold of the tension of the now and the not yet, it frees us up to live life in a way where we can be like Paul that says, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm on this journey, and I'm going to be on this journey as long as he wants me to, and I want to experience it moment by moment by moment, but it's all his. Every breath is his, and I can rest in that. Alice, my, my wife, most of you know Alice. If you don't, that's her right there. And uh, she she loves to read, and she's reading this book right now on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And it's really helpful to me because I get like the cliff notes, which anybody, here know, what cliff notes are (laughs) only if you're my age and went to college cliff notes. It's like the shortened version of stuff. So she reads all this stuff. And then she when she gets something really good, she goes, oh, you got to see this. And she brings it to me and she highlights it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you didn't know, um, he was a pastor, amazing uh, theologian who lived during in, in Nazi Germany. And he he and his church opposed Hitler. They stood up against him, and they were all imprisoned, and they were all being killed. And Bonhoeffer is ultimately killed in prison as well. But his folks are being killed, and he writes this letter to them. And uh, let me skim down there. I've just been shooting from the hip here, and I've got to read this. Who can comprehend how those whom God takes so early are chosen? Yet the Lord makes no mistakes. Might God need our brothers for some hidden service on our behalf in the heavenly world? We should put an end to our human thoughts, which always wish to know more than they can, and cling to that which is certain. Whomever God calls home is someone God has loved. And I just get a hold of that, and I think, God is so amazing. And, and sometimes I get stuck in the, in the middle of these things. But when I realize the, the enormity of God and that my life is his and that I can rest in that, then I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be anxious or worried or fearful about the mess that happens in this fallen world because I have a God who loves me and is for me. And, and he's going to take us and watch us and keep us in the light. So there's this tension between the now and the not yet in life that we need to understand. But we can embrace it because of who God is. Now, there's another tension going on in here that Enoch is experiencing, and it's the tension, this is point number three, of grace and holiness. And, and both are important for us to understand. Uh, we have a tendency to get on one side or the other, where uh, we get grace, 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 you can do whatever you feel like, no big deal, not correct. Or holiness, 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 is all these rules and regulations and laws, and that's what God is all about. And the reality is God is both. Grace and holiness its not either or, it's both and. He's all those things. That's part of what Enoch was getting a hold of that overwhelmed him. God is so much more than he could imagine. He's all of this. He's, hes you know, in, in his lifetime, he, he wanted people to come to know in Methuselah's lifetime, God was making a way. But there has to be a time when evil is dealt with. And it's a picture of that, the grace and the holiness of God. And, and so in that tension, we're to walk this life out. Ephesians 4.1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And so this walk has this um, basis in understanding grace and holiness. That God is filled with both. And that Enoch grabbed a hold of this and it changed his life when he got a hold of the enormity of God and who he is. That's what I want you to see too in this whole series. I'm hoping that you'll reconnect with how amazing God is. How amazing the Bible is. That you'll read it with your eyes open. That you'll understand... It's a story that 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 he invites us into and it's so complex and intricate and yet so amazing. And it's like a giant love letter of God telling you, listen, this is how much I love you. And we can settle in the fact that we know he loves us because Jesus has come for us. And we we get that. And now we can just experience this life in amazing ways. And and I want you to do that. Read the scripture with your eyes open. So here's here's a little couple of things like. I want to talk about the flood, but I want to go back to creation first. And how how amazing God is. So if you think about creation, and you go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. So God creates that, and that doesn't even make sense. When you, when you stop there and you read about it, it doesn't seem to make sense. God makes this sort of lifeless thing, like a big blob covered in salt water and dark, and you go, why in the world did he do that? It looks like he created everything dead. Why would God do that? And he does it on purpose so he can show you what he can do with that which is dead. Because then the Spirit hovers over it and the the word speaks into it and light is called out of it and creation happens. And it's the picture and the pattern of creation that you'll see throughout. But then you need to take it a step further. We've been talking about this. It's also the pattern of redemption. What are you talking about, Steve? Do you remember Paul says this? He says in Ephesians 2.1, 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We're dead in that. Then what happens? The spirit moves upon our heart. The gospel, the word of the Lord is spoken to us so that we received and then light comes into us. We're rescued from darkness and brought into light. It's the same pattern, only now it's redemptive, creative, redemptive. See, the, the creation was amazing, but we turned our backs on it and we messed it up. And so there's these resets that happen throughout the scripture that you need to see. Think about the flood for a moment. This is the point I wanted to get to what happens. Waters over the earth when we start the creation God speaks into it amazing creation a garden people everything perfect We sin the fall comes the fall happens because of our sin and the the world becomes this wicked violent horrible place And so the time comes when something has to be done. That's what happens. And so the flood happens And you need to see it as a big giant reset because how is the world after the flood? It's a big blob covered in salt water again. Do you see the connection? What's going to happen? But this time, remember I said way back in Genesis 3.15, the the crimson uh, path of redemption starts to take place. There's this redemptive promise that happens. So this time after the flood, if you were to pull back like on a satellite, maybe not quite that far and look down there on the waters is the ark. Redemption exists in the ark because the righteous family of Noah is there and things are going to continue through there. See, now there's a way. Now there's a path. And it's part of God's plan that through all this, there'll be redemption available to all of us who turn to the Lord for it. The ark's a picture of the church. It's a picture of Christ. It's an amazing picture of what's happening. And, and all I want you to see in that is the magnificence of God. In, in being filled with grace Wanting people to be in relation to Him And yet still being holy And, and saying there's got to be an end to evil And that it all is happening And unfolding before us And there's so many more tie-ins That we're going to look at But think about that this week Think about the magnificence of God Because what Enoch did was this Enoch realized who God was And what he was doing Understood His grace and His holiness And out of that came He said you know what You're a God that's worthy of walking with it's the best choice possible. And it's still the best choice possible. He's a God worthy of walking with. And I want to encourage you, walk in Him. Live in Him by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ministry team. Those are here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get it. Let me pray for you as a group. And then we'll dismiss. Papa, we're thankful for your love for us. How you move into our lives. How awesome you are, how magnificent you are. (laughs) Help us to see and know and, and not write things off to coincidence or miss who you are. And let us live this life in a way that not only pleases you, but impacts the world around us for you. Bring renewal, revival and breakthrough to this area. Let hundreds and thousands of people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray again today for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued, abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationship, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... Let's take care of that today as well. Best decision you will ever make. It's it's humility and faith. In humility, it's just becoming for God before him and and saying, you know, God, I'm broken. I've sinned, just like everybody else here. Asking him to forgive you what you're doing. Then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. If you need help, just go and ask somebody. Say, I want to know Jesus. they will know exactly what you mean and they'll help you with that. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have a second breakfast, we'll thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible, draw people in to the 11 o'clock service, God, so they can hear about your love for them as well. You are amazing. Praise God from whom? bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace and go today in the peace, the power and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayers over there. Breakfast to be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another out there in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye.